Just let you know it might get loud this morning. Come on. Oh, excuse me for a minute. Oh, but I've got a song to sing. Oh, it might not be on key, but it's from my heart. No one else can tell it. Yeah, what the Lord has done for me. And this might take all day, so I better start right now. And it might get loud. Come on, church. Hey, it might get loud. Yeah, heaven's coming down. Somebody sing with me. Come on. It might get loud. Yeah. Heaven's coming down, down, down. And it might get loud. Yeah. I don't have a halo. Oh, yeah. No, I'm not a perfect man. Oh, I'm just glad to be a child of God. Amen. Yeah. Because when I think of where I could have been, I should have been. 
just the church sing it out Jesus we Southeast Polk uh, Rams game and they did um, marching band came out and they did the national anthem and I was very very impressed and they pulled out this massive probably a 20 by 30 American flag they were holding and angling up and while they were playing and they had everybody stand still thankful that that school still does it and uh, while they were doing that, I was looking at that flag and just admiring how large it was and just thinking about the meaning of that flag. And this isn't a political <laughs> rant at all, but just how that flag has stood the test of time. When we look at that flag, it means something. That flag is faithful from all the years, from the time that our country began and what it means. And then just standing there and just starting to praise God and just saying, God, how faithful you are. Because I know that that flag has been flown in seas, in battles, times of distress, and it's been faithful. I've been tossed in seas. I've been weary, been heavy but my God is faithful and he stands the test of time. He is the God of all creation and I'm thankful for who he is. Aren't you thankful for the faithfulness of God, church? Amen.
so glad, whether I'm on the mountaintop or in the valley, Come on. that God is faithful. In good times or bad times, God is faithful. The last couple of days, I've had a lot of little bitty things happen that can get you all distracted. How many have ever been there? Yeah, I lost my wallet this morning. That'll mess you up for a long time. I did find it finally. And the amazing thing, it was in the place where I put it. <laughs> and I thought, God, you don't need me to be in control. You don't need me to be ready. We need to be ready for you. Hello, are you hearing me? We need to be ready for him. Because his broken body Come on. was for us. Yes. He provided on Calvary a new way of living, a new way of life, a new covenant relationship. And his broken body says, I allowed my body to be broken so that everything broken in your life could be made whole. Let's take the wafer and give him thanks for his broken body. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your goodness and your kindness to us. Thank you for all the many ways that you have provided for us. Thank you for your broken body as we remember your sacrifice and suffering now in your name. Let's partake of the wafer together. thought just went through my head and I don't know if this will make sense to you but I was sitting here thinking I'm so glad for hypocrites <laughs> because at some manner or time you were one how many have ever professed more than you live there's only one perfect there's only one perfect person who's ever lived on the planet and his name was Jesus <laughs> And he offers his life for us. I'm encouraged by people who struggle. I'm encouraged by pe because people who are struggling are not giving up. I heard Evangelist say some years ago how encouraged he was by people who came in late. Now, don't make that a plan. And I said, why? He said, because people who came in late had some kind of a struggle to get here. And they didn't give up till they got here. Now that struggle might be bad planning, but they didn't give up. We are all broken. We're all in need of a savior. His blood was shed for all of us so that our sins could be forgiven. We could walk in newness of life. And I was talking to a pastor this week and just reminding myself and him that we will go to heaven, not based on our performance, but on Come his on. provision. His blood shed on Calvary. This is a new covenant, a new way of living, a new way of walking. And I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for the blood of Jesus. Would you lift the cup right now and give thanks to God, magnify him and give him praise. Come on, let me hear you. If you love the Lord and you love what he's provided for us, Jesus, we thank you for your shed blood that takes away the sin of the world. No longer needing a perfect lamb, we have a perfect savior. And we thank you as we remember your sacrifice now in Jesus' name. Let's partake of the cup. And now it might get loud. It might get loud. But let's lift our hands and magnify. Would you do that? Magnify the Lord. Your goodness is running now. It's running out to me with my, with my life, 
One last time all my life All my life you have been faithful receive your word. We thank you and we love you. Lord, you are faithful. In your name we pray and everyone said, amen. Turn on next to you and say, he is faithful. Amen. Justice. We also want you to know that we are working with the National Church of Vision that they've had for over 25 years, where they've been wanting to have their own Bible seminary. So what we are doing is combining their center, their seminary, with our ministry center. And so this is exciting news because it's really a win-win situation for both. And so this will be huge because we will be able to minister to the police and their families, also to see people that are going through the seminary be trained to become chaplains. So this will be able to, we'll be able to send out missionaries or chaplains throughout Colombia to reach not only their, their people and to share Christ, but also to minister to those in the marketplace. So again, thank you so much, Lord. Bless you, we pray for you and love you guys. And I hope to talk to you soon. Blessings. Give it up for Paul and Christy Robinson, missionaries to Colombia. I want to make just a quick announcement. Don't have all the details for you this morning, but um, some have asked what we're doing for um, Beggar's Night this year compared with last year and all of that. And we're going to emphasize going back to Glow in the Dark. And uh, Pastor Nathan will be giving us information for that. We did Trunk or Treat last year. And we're going to join with the city for that this year and put our train out there because we want to do things with the city, not just for the city. So we don't want to compete with them. So we're going to join with them and then encourage you to do um, Glow in the Dark, and outreach in your neighborhood to touch your neighbors. So just kind of jot that down. And uh, as far as I know, we still have room, uh, Pastor Kevin, in connect groups. So you need to be in a connect group. Remember last week, that might be your helicopter when you're on the roof. You might need that connect group. So if you've not been a part, please sign up for that today. How many of you have ever had an I told you so moment? Either someone said it to you or you said it to someone else. How many of you enjoy I told you so moments? Come on, be honest. There are times that feels pretty good. Um, 
Gore Vidal, who was a writer, a U.S. writer, made this statement. The four most beautiful words in our common language, I told you so. Now, he wrote that when he was prophesying the demise of America, so throw your eggs up at him right now. I like this one. Two tigers were talking. Or the mouse. We'll do the mouse first. Have you ever been um, in a bad situation and the person on the outside says, I told you so? That is absolutely not helpful. I told you so. All right. Help me get out of this. And I think we have the tiger slide. Well, we'll go with this one. If at first you don't succeed, try doing it in the way your wife told you. And all the ladies danced in the aisle. Well, in Acts chapter 27, the Apostle Paul had an I told you so moment. He talks to them about the danger of sailing and they don't listen to him. And I just, it's one of those moments that I just really enjoy. In Acts chapter 27, verse 9, much time had been lost and sailing had already become dangerous. So by now it was the day of atonement. So they're getting ready to sail. Paul's on his way to Rome as a prisoner because in this conflagration that had just happened, he appeals to Caesar as a Roman soldier or a Roman citizen. They have to send him to Caesar. Gets him out of one problem into another one. They're on the boat. They're sailing. He's a prisoner. And he says to them, Men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo and to our own lives also. But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and the owner of the ship. Since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided we should sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix and winter there. This was a harbor in Crete facing both southwest and northwest. And so the whole idea here is Paul is saying to them, we shouldn't go. They say, we're going to go. And then a storm of hurricane force hits them. And Paul stands on the deck of the ship and says, told you so. You should have listened to me. There are those moments, those times. What put Paul in a place that he could speak with that authority to those on the ship when everything else was going the other way. We're talking about how God works in mysterious ways. And he speaks in mysterious ways. John chapter 11, times of delay, where we're just sitting. Seems like nothing's happening, that God has something to say. In times of closed doors, closed doors aren't meant to stop you, they're meant to move you. And third, I've discovered in my life that God often, always, I should say, has something to say in the storm. And sometimes it's in the storms of life that we can hear most clearly from God. Don't despise the storm. Look for what God is doing. He's got a purpose even in the storm, even in the frustration, even in those moments. Storms do not come to destroy you, but they might come to move you to a place you might never otherwise go. Let's look at what happens here in Acts chapter 27. Verse 10, I've already re read that to you. Just want to remind you that in our spiritual walk, circumstances can be misleading. Anybody know that? Ever been deceived by circumstances? 
it looks like you ought to do one thing, but there's something in your heart on the inside of you that communicates that maybe that's not the right thing to do, that check that God gives. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Does anybody speak English this morning? How many are in the building? Those circumstances, and when you look at the circumstances here, sailing had been difficult. Sailing had been dangerous. And this harbor that they pull into wasn't suitable to, to winter in. It means they only had a, ho- a Motel 6. They didn't have a Marriott. It wasn't a place where you'd want to stay. It wasn't a place that was comfortable. Just kind of a landing place. And it sounds like the town was even a ways away. Winter winds from the east and north or southeast would blow right into the harbor and that's what they would be facing. It was unprotected from the sea. Uh, there does not seem to have been any town at the harbor, which is probably why Luke mentions that it was near the town of Lacia. It's not well placed. It's inconvenient. We don't want to be here. And then a gentle south wind begins to blow. All signs point to yes. We don't want to be here. And I, and I will tell you that one of the things we're really, really good at, we're really, really good at interpreting the circumstances to reinforce what we already want to do. <laughs> Pastor Booth said to me a long time ago when I was serving underneath his ministry, he said, people do what they want to do. You'll find a way to vindicate that, justify that. But you're in a place, you don't want to stay there, this little bitty town. Uh, one, one time, Carol and I were on vacation, I think. I don't remember where we were going, but we were driving across uh, on our way out east somewhere. All I remember is that we were tired, we needed to stop, and we stopped in Gary, Indiana. <laughs> Have any of you been to Gary, Indiana? <laughs> and we, I, we, I was young, unaware of the ways of the world. There should have been a clue when I walked up to the window and there were bars on the window. That should have been a clue that this wasn't a good place. But I thought, I don't know, you know, security. I said, do you have any rooms for tonight? And they said, now this may make you uncomfortable. I'm just going to tell you what they said. And they said, do you want it by the hour or for the night? (laughs) And I said, do people rent rooms by the hour? That was a port that we shouldn't have stayed in. All I can tell you is we found a trucker's logbook in the room. I don't know what all was going on in that place. We should have moved on to somewhere else. But the point being, there are those places where if you don't read the circumstances right, and you want to build a case to do something else, You can certainly do that, but God sees beyond the momentary circumstance. He sees beyond the moment. There's something else that he wants you to see. And Paul had a word from God that said not to sail on. And they're saying, I don't care what God has said to you. This is a terrible place. It's not comfortable. It's going to be dangerous. Some harm could come to our ship. And a gentle wind started to blow. And I listen. Somebody needs to hear this this morning, but sometimes 
that gentle wind is from the devil. Because if he wants to move you in a wrong direction, he can make your circumstances favorable knowing how you will respond. So this gentle south wind begins to blow and they say, let's go for it. And it appears as though Paul has no idea what he's talking about. So let's go back to the claim that he made to them. Because the first thing that I want you to get in the storm is that God has a word for you. Be listening because whenever you're about to enter into a storm, if you're listening, God has a word for you that he wants to give to you. Paul says earlier in the chapter that I read to you, verse 10, Man, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous. Now, why would he say that? Why would he say, I can see that? Because you can't see the circumstances. You can't see anything that's about to happen. Nothing that you see indicates that what Paul is saying is right. Let me give you a couple of ways to look at this. The word see here is a unique Greek word that is not used of an indifferent spectator. Here's what it means. It's one who looks at a thing with interest and a purpose. It would be used of a general reviewing or inspecting his army. It's looking with intent. So he is saying as an engaged person in this process, I see something that all of you need to be aware of as a general looking at his troops. In the Old Testament, prophets were called seers. And I thought that was a unique word for someone who was a prophet. What is a seer? A seer is someone who sees. And often God lets his prophets see things that others don't see. And before you say, well, pastor, I'm not a prophet, let me just remind you that in 1 Corinthians, we're told to covet to prophesy. Prophecy is one of the gifts of the Spirit. And I can just tell you there have been times that God has let me see things that I couldn't explain by what was going on around me. I believe more happened here than Paul simply evaluating the circumstances or looking up the weather channel. That he saw what was going to happen. He saw where that journey was going to take them. And there are moments, I'm just telling you, that you need to listen to the voice of the Spirit inside you even when the circumstances around you seem to be contrary. I had a friend He's since gone on to be with the Lord. But he and his wife were traveling west across the United States, and they had planned to spend the night in Rapid City, South Dakota. And as they pulled into the city, he just said to his wife, we're not staying here. And she said, why? Why? I'm tired. We planned to see we're not staying here. I don't know why. We're just not staying here. We are not staying here. There's just something wrong. And so they went on to the drove a while. I mean, in South Dakota, you don't just have a Casey's on every corner, you know, and a Motel 6 around the bend. That's like there's long stretches. And so they went on to the next place. You know what happened that night? That was back in the 70s when the dam broke in Rapid City. Do you remember that terrible flood that happened and hundreds of lives were lost and the hotel they would have been staying in would have been devastated? You say, well, why didn't God give that word to everybody? I don't know. 
I'm not going to answer for that. I just know there's a man who was thankful that he saw something and listened to that voice. Doesn't mean that others didn't hear. I'm just saying to you, there are times when you will see something. There was another experience. I don't have anything to back this up, but I want to encourage you to listen to the voice of the Spirit. In the storm, God has a word for you. When my parents were both alive, my mother lived in Albert Lee in her retirement. My dad lived in La Crescent, Minnesota. And often we would go to Owatonna and we would see my dad and then we would go to the mega mall and then we would come back to see my mom and drive home. It was a common thing to do. One particular year, and I still don't have an answer to this, but we'd been to see my dad and we're on our way back to Ames and as we're driving across on the interstate um, across Minnesota, I just had this over whelming sense of something wrong and I said to Carol I don't know what's happening right now and there's no reason for this but we are not stopping if someone steps out in the road now please understand what I mean by this I said I'll, I'll just run them over if I can't go around them I'm not stopping if there's some we're not stopping kept driving and when we got to I-35 turned south that sense of foreboding lifted. Now, what was that about? Was it, was it a bad sandwich? Was it um, bad turkey? I, I don't know. Here's what I'm going to tell you. I don't know what would have happened. But I'm convinced that there was a warning in that by the way the danger settled and the way that it lifted. I believe God spared us from something. And I can't prove that. You say, well, anybody can make those stories up. Sure, they can. They certainly can. I'm just trying to say to you that God will have a word for you. And some people have to find it out the hard way. I don't want to find it out the hard way. And I have to sort out the difference between my own anxiety and a word from God. I get that too. I'm simply saying Paul is standing there and he says, I saw something that none of you see and it was a word from God for us. And I want to encourage you that sometimes the word from God will be completely contrary to the circumstances around you and you need to listen to that voice. Is anybody hearing me this morning? God will speak ahead of the storm. If you need a word ahead of time, you'll receive a word ahead of time. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it on the other side. There's a ministry couple that we've gotten to know fairly well years ago, and they lost um, children in that flood. Was that the will of God to lose children? No, it wasn't. But I will tell you that thousands of people have been ministered to out of their brokenness and out of their pain. Not that it was the will of God that their children died. But God always has a purpose, and the purpose is bigger than my immediate circumstances. It's built on an eternal destiny. Come on, walk with me this morning. I'm saying to you that... When the storm is coming, if you're listening, God sometimes will take you through it, sometimes will lift you out of it. Well, why did God give him a word when God knew that nobody would listen? Because God was establishing Paul in a place of credibility that would be very, very important later in the journey. God has a word for you in the storm. Second, God has a plan for you. The storm hits and it hits hard. A wind of hurricane force hits their boat. I have never been in a hurricane. 
I don't know if any of you have. Any of you ever endured a hurricane, been there when it happened? Anybody? One or two? Uh, my mother moved from Minnesota to Florida to get away from the cold winter storms, only to face two hurricanes and decided to go back to Minnesota. And I know how, us, how we Midwesterners are. When that tornado siren goes, how many of you go to the porch instead of the basement? Want to see a tornado? It may be the last thing you see. (laughs) This wasn't a little twister. This was a wind of hurricane force that will bring these sailors who have faced many, many storms to the brink of desperation, of giving up hope. They let go of control of the ship because the storm was so powerful. They just let the storm take the ship. And I'm just telling you, there's sometimes that's all you can do. You have to just let the storm take the ship because you can't control it anyway. And God is going to take you to a different place. God has a way of showing us that we're not in control. And I love this. Verse 24. Let's back up to verse 21. After they had gone a long time without food. (laughs) Understand that. It's called seasickness. Paul stood up before them and said, men. I just love this. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Can Can you imagine how that moment felt? You should have listened to me. I'm sorry, I'm just fleshly enough to enjoy this moment. (laughs) Told you. I told you so. I told you so. You should have listened to me. And then he says, watch. You should have taken my advice not to sell from Crete. Then you would have spared yourself this damage and loss. What does that do at that moment? Is he saying it as one-upmanship? No, he's saying it for credibility. I was right then, and I'm right now, and I have another word from God for you. I now urge you to keep up your courage, because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. And God has graciously given you the lives of all those who sail with you. Do you know what he's saying? He's saying to them, it's a good thing for you. I'm in this boat. You're going to live because I'm going to Caesar. Here's what I want you to see. God has a plan for your life. And you have to see the longer vision of the plan. When you make decisions in momentary circumstances, you will often make wrong decisions. You've got to see what the long-range plan is and stay with that plan because God has a plan for your future. Sometimes we make marriages. People make decisions based on the heat of the moment without looking at the consequences of that five or ten years down the road. God has a plan for you that leads to heaven. God has a plan to bless you and you need to look beyond the moment and see in the distance what God has promised he's going to do with you and through you and for you. Paul is saying, you're fortunate I'm with you. He says, you're fortunate I'm aboard. 
And he says, do not be afraid. Paul, Paul, don't be afraid. So verse 25, so keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as it was told me. I have faith in God. Do you have that kind of revelation? Do you have that kind of commitment? Do you have that kind of faith that it will be as it was told you? If God gives you a peace out in the future, hold to that and know he'll bring it to pass. I have a situation that I, I, it's personal, I'm praying about. And I will tell you about five years ago, God gave me a promise that he's going to bring something to pass. The immediate circumstances sure don't look like it. But I'm not going to base my faith in God on a storm or circumstances. I'm going to build it on what he said to me. And I know what he said to me, and I know he'll bring it to pass. Is there anyone in the house right now? You have to look at the word of God. What did he say? He has a plan for you, and you need to walk in that and not veer from that and honor him with the way that you live. What has God declared for your future? Are you in a relationship with him that he ever talks to you, that you hear what he has for you or for your family or for your future? Many years ago, I heard an evangelist speak and this was back in the uh, this will mess with you this was back in the charismatic renewal how many remember the charismatic renewal and this evangelist was a lutheran evangelist a spirit-filled lutheran who wore the the collar and the robes and the big chain with the big cross and see i grew up pentecostal and 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 god can't talk to people like that i mean you had to be assemblies of god maybe open bible <laughs> but God used this man in incredible ways and I sat and listened to him and he told this story he was in a hospital bed and the doctors told him there was not much hope for his survival I don't remember what his illness was um, it was an issue with his heart and they didn't expect him to ever leave the hospital and he said I was laying there in bed fearing for my life the anxiety increasing, doctors have given up hope. And the phone rang and it was a pastor. He was overseas at the time, a pastor back in the States. And he said, brother, um, I was praying this morning. We have a conference six months from now and God put you on my heart. I want you to speak at this conference. And so he said, just to be gracious, he said, yes, thinking I won't live for that to happen, but I don't want to turn him down. And he hung up the phone and he said, I heard God say this. I wouldn't have spoken to him to invite you to the conference if you're going to die in this hotel or in this hospital room. Sometimes you have to look beyond the immediate to what the plan is down the road. Obviously, he lived through it because he was telling the story. God has a plan for you. Is anyone hearing me right now? God has a plan for you and your life. And if you walk in his will, he will protect you. He will provide for you. But you have to get your eyes off the immediate. And spiritually, it's even more important than that. We have to get our eyes off the immediate frustrations and the 
pain that is caused to us and the relationships that are frustrating us and understand that we've been called with a high and holy calling. We're headed to heaven. Are you hearing me? And we need to walk in that fashion, in that method, because someday we'll give an account to God. Let's get our eyes off the temporal circumstances and get our eyes on our eternal destination and that'll change our walk in the middle. God has a plan for you. Don't ever forget that. Don't ever doubt that. Trust the promises of God. God has a word for you. God has a plan for you in the storm. And third, God has a blessing for you. So chapter 28, verse 1. <laughs> a lot of things happen here that I don't have time to go into this morning. With the storm and the ship falls apart, they grab pieces of wood, they float to the shore, they end up on the bank, and once safely on shore, we found out that the island was called Malta. <laughs> they, didn't even, they didn't even know where they were. What island is this? And the islanders showed us an unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed us all because it was raining and cold. Now, now watch. I don't know how, how your life is, but I'm reading this and I've lived this kind of idea, idea of, uh, more than once in my life. We just got through the storm. The ship has fallen apart. In fact, earlier, they're going to kill all the prisoners, and they don't. Paul steps up and says, no, we've all got to abide in the ship, and all that happens there. They float to the shore. The islanders come up, and they comfort you. They give you blankets. They warm you up. They build a fire. They're feeding you. It's like, oh, finally, some relief from the storm. And Paul goes to put a stick on the fire, and a snake bites him. Have you ever been there? It's like, Really? Really? I just got through that storm. Really? This ended up really God? What are you trying to do? Have there ever been any really God moments for you? What in the, what in the world? But I love what Paul does. Listen, some of you couldn't live in Acts 28 because if you see a snake, you just hyperventilate. <laughs> and if that snake bit on your hand you would have died from anxiety rather than from poison. I get that. Yeah, I get that. But what does Paul do? It just cracks me up. When the islanders saw the snake, would you just picture that for a moment? They saw the snake hanging from his hand. It's a, uh, that's a solid bite. It's holding on. And they say, this man must be a murderer. He escaped the storm and God will not suffer him to live. <laughs> what a guy. You know what Paul does? The snake grabs onto his hand. This is, a, this is a wonderful story. Someone should make a movie out of this. He shakes it off into the fire. Now, why would he be able to do that? I'm t I couldn't. No, I'd be slicing my hand open, sucking the venom out, calling for 911, get a helicopter here, whatever it was, you know, whatever you have to do, tourniquet, whatever. Why could Paul just shake it off? Because what did, Paul tell, what did God tell him in the storm? You're going to Rome. Woo, that's shouting ground. 
You don't have to worry about a snake when it's before your proclaimed destination. You're going to get there, Paul. He shakes it off. And the same group, I'm just feeling a little ornery because you're just looking at me like I don't know what I'm doing. The same group that says he's a murderer sees that, no ill effects, and says he's a god. Do you know what we call those? Church people. You can be a devil one day and a god the next. It's just kind of how popular opinion ebbs and flows. Don't worry about it. You're a god. Why did all that happen? There was an estate nearby that belonged to the chief official on the island. They go to the chief official's home. His father is sick. Paul goes in places his hands on him and heals him. And then everybody on the island comes. And everybody on the island that was sick gets healed. (laughs) How many of you would like to be Paul at that moment? Wouldn't you? Boom, healed, boom, healed, boom, healed, boom, healed. Now, it doesn't always happen like that, but it happens in moments that God was doing something on the island and everyone that he touched was healed. Again, I listened to an evangelist some years ago was telling the story that he was preaching somewhere and it ended on a Tuesday and he was coming back to his home church on Monday. It was a, uh, on Wednesday, I mean, it was a six hour drive and he felt like God spoke to him to just pray in tongues all the way home. And he said, I didn't feel any power. I didn't feel any anointing for six hours other than when I got gas. I was praying in the spirit, praying, and I got home and I was exhausted and thought, well, I'm going to go to church tonight and didn't know what they were doing, took a shower, got ready, went to church, found out they were having a healing service. And he said, I felt empty and dry. But that night's never happened before or since. But he said, that night, everyone I touched was immediately healed. Does that mean if you pray in tongues six for six hours I'll have, no what it means is if you're in tune with the spirit of God he will show you a plan for your life and if you respond to it you'll be in the place of blessing you see God has a blessing for you out of the storm Paul doesn't go right from the storm to being snake bit he gets a little respite in the middle where he's taken care of and and encouraged and fed and nourished and then the snake comes and then From that, he has the incredible opportunity. You don't read of anything quite like this anywhere else in the New Testament with Paul's ministry that everyone on the island is healed. So do you know what this storm was about? The storm was about people in need on an island in the ocean. And the only way to get The word of God to them was to wreck Paul's ship. That's what that whole chapter is about. It's not like God was saying, oh, 
Well, what if they had stayed? God knew they wouldn't stay. And that moment where he has a word from God is to establish his credibility. And then as they're going, the storm hits. And it's not by accident they're driven to that island. I'm telling you, there are people all over the planet that have never heard the name of Jesus. But they're calling out to the God of creation. They're calling out to a God they've not yet met and do not know. And God will send somebody there. It may be by a shipwreck or a storm or trouble. But if you trust him and you know you have a destination, then ride out the storm because in the middle of your storm, it'll end with God's blessing on your life. He's got a place and purpose for you. Are you hearing me right now? He's got a blessing for you that wouldn't happen any other way. Paul or God rewards those who seek him with kindness, with protection, with provision. Being able to bless others in powerful ways. Soldiers and sailors and islanders who now have a whole new revelation of God that they would never have had without the storm. And church, I just want to encourage you. If you're in the middle of a storm, you're going through a trial, you're having a difficult time. Just understand, God has a word for you. He has a plan for you. And he has a blessing for you. And if you'll hold on to that, you'll see the reward and favor of God settle on your life. Too often, we despair. We get frustrated. We curse the sailors. We curse the snake. We curse the storm. When in reality, we need to understand that God has a greater purpose for the building of his kingdom. Heard the testimony of a missionary many years ago. It was in the time when missionaries went overseas, they honestly, in the early days of missions, they honestly packed their clothes and belongings in their casket and took it with them because they knew they wouldn't be coming back. I listened to a veteran missionary that went over under those conditions. And he said, when I got ready to go, people were saying, you'll never make it back. You'll never make it back. And he said, I just said to them, God called me to go. He didn't say anything about coming back. He just called me to go. Difficulties and trials and problems and struggles. One particular missionary was on a ship. And as they're sailing on the coast of Africa... He has this overwhelming sense that he has to get off the ship. He goes to the captain and says, let me off. And he says, there's no port here. These, are, these um, natives here, the nationals here will kill you. They're a bloodthirsty crew. We can't let you off here. You've got to let me off. They put him in a lifeboat, put his stuff with him and kicked the boat toward, sent it off toward the shore. He landed on the beach and stood there and thought, God, now what? Now what do I do? He said it wasn't long before one of the tribal people came up out of the jungle and said, we have been praying to the God of creation that he would send someone to tell us about him. Three nights ago, I had a vision of a white man on this beach and God said, I will send him to you. And he will tell you about how to be right with me. And they met on that shore. Had he listened to circumstances and advice, 
hadn't been willing to risk the pain of a storm, there'd have been a group that didn't have the opportunity to hear the name of Jesus. It might be that your storm is going to drive you into a place where you can share with someone about the Lord. And let me just, let me make this really personal just for a minute. At work, have you ever had a difficult boss? An inappropriate boss? A boss that you'd like to see just disappear from the planet? You wouldn't do it, but if... Anybody? That was wrong to you and rude to you and inappropriate. And if you stand up and fight and curse and you're ugly and unchristian, it could be that God has put you in that storm so someone can see the light of Jesus radiate out of you and lead someone to faith in him. I'm trying to get you to see that we have to get our eyes off the momentary circumstance and see the higher calling and the higher purpose because sometimes God is speaking through the storm. Pastor Nathan, would you come? I want every head bowed, every eye closed, just for a moment, please. So I really did feel like in praying over this message that I wanted us to take time to encourage someone today. And I do believe there's someone here, someone's here, facing a storm that have brought you to the brink of despair. And I want to encourage you this morning that God has a word for you, a plan for you, and a blessing for you in the midst of this storm. And we want to, get, we want to be able to stand with you and encourage you. And if you're in that place, I'm going to ask you to do more than just raise your hand. I'm going to ask you, if you would, to just stand up for a moment. Would you do that? If you're in that storm right now, I just want you to stand up. We just want to pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. In the balcony. Yes, anyone else, you're in that storm. It's not easy. It's not hard to lose your confidence. But I believe, listen, I'm saying to each one of you, I believe God that it shall be for you even as it was told me. And he'll have a word for you. So I want you before you stand to look around at who's standing. And I want you just to reach over and put a hand on their shoulder. We don't want to make big crowds, but if you want to just reach over and put a hand on their shoulder and let them know that you're standing with them. Don't say anything to them. Just begin to pray for them. Would you do that? Look around. And let's take just a moment. I wanted to have a little bit of time this morning for us to pray for one another. One of the things that, that I've come to understand recently is how important a word from a friend is in a time of a storm for someone to stand with you. Would you just stand up now, find someone that's standing and just lay your hand on them. Just let them know you're praying for them. Would you do that? Now let's just take a moment to pray for one another. I think it's time for us to move beyond our fear to a place of faith. Let's just begin to pray for one another. Everyone in the house, stand, would you please? And stretch your hand towards someone that's being prayed for. And let's believe for the spirit of God to move in the room, to touch someone's heart, to encourage them, to strengthen them. God's in this place. Let's just worship the Lord together. Would you do that? Let's just love on Jesus this morning. He's in the house. He's here to help us. He's here to strengthen us. He's got a word, a plan, and a purpose. A word, a plan, and a blessing for you. If you'll hear his voice today. Come on, just reach out to him. Let him speak peace to you.
Jesus, we speak peace right now. We speak peace right now in the midst of the storm. When peace and like a river attended my way when sorrows like sea billows
death by a thousand paper cuts how many understand what I'm saying it's those little things over and over and over again we had company Friday and and funeral visitation all that's going on hurrying around trying to get everything done and then Saturday through no fault of my own (laughs) I busted a rear taillight out of my truck (laughs) totally my fault I got up this morning couldn't find my wallet got here and the sound equipment is torched it's just dead in the north chapel and I thought God you've got something for somebody this morning because this isn't my doing it's not my work it's his presence that we need and if you're in a place of a thousand paper cuts a bunch of little things one after the other just want you to know the same message is true he has a word for you come on he has a word for you he has a plan for you and he has a blessing for you and he'll bring that to pass because it's in the middle of your storm that you'll have great opportunity to let the light of Jesus reflect out of you to people around you and right now if there ever was a time that our world needed to see compassion, kindness, restraint, crucifying the flesh, exalting Jesus, wouldn't you think it'd be today? It'd be today. Let's be that light in the midst of the storm. So thank you for being here this morning. Thank you for your faithful financial support. Thank you for everything you're doing for the kingdom. We appreciate that. It's your regular missions giving that helps us bless missionaries like you heard earlier in the service. So whether you do it online, whether you do it digitally, whether you do it here or put it in the mail, thank you so much for your faithful giving. And I also want you to know there are uh, iPads in the lobby. If you've not yet joined a connect group, why don't you do that right before you leave? Stop out there. There'll be someone to help you so we can get you in a connect group. But let's be faithful in the midst of the storms that we face. Amen. If you love Jesus, let me hear your hands this morning. God speaks in mysterious ways and sometimes he'll direct you through a storm. Amen. God bless you.